Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mercy is the mark of a great man. Oh. Oh. Guess I'm just a good man. Oh. Well, I'm all right. You are not Captain Kirk. You do not belong in charge of the Enterprise and I shall do everything in my power against you. You know what the chain of command is? It's a chain I go get and beat you with till you understand who's in command here. Frequently appalled by the low regard you Earthmen have for life. Exciting edition of SFP now. Um, with me today to go over some news and various uh, bits and bobs um, is Patrick Hayes. How you doing, dude? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good. I mean, we've got a pretty good guest on later on. Um, um, we've got the actress um, and producer and writer Sadie Katz on, uh, who's going to be talking about a new film she's just done called uh, Chavez's uh, Cage of Few Cage of Fury. Um, but she's also done a few horror films, and um, and she also worked with Glenn A. Larson um, some time back as well. So she, she's got quite an interesting background, so we'll be talking to her a little bit later on. But, you know, first we're going to go over some, some basic, basic TV news, I guess, and, and um, bits and bobs. And now, last week in news... Um, do you want to kick off, or should I? Um, sure, I'll go ahead and start. Okay, Probably cool. the uh, the biggest uh, genre television series that's premiered in quite a while was uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Pro- uh, finally premiered to a big big ratings here in the states cool. and um it was it was pretty good i mean i'm a big i'm a big fan of shield i've read all the classic steranko stories i grew up with uh nick fury reading comics in the 70s and 80s so i'm more than familiar with the um the characters and situations and now and, back uh, when nick fury looked like david hasselhoff yeah matter of fact he looked like a david hasselhoff in a uh, i'd say a little tight spandex outfit there trying to compete with james bond and the man from uncle yeah, I think he was kind of like a more anorexic David Hasselhoff, wasn't he? Yeah, that's true. Although he still, yeah, he still had the eye patch back then. Yeah, and and the thing for beef burgers and alcohol. Yeah, yes, he did. And I'm 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 kind of wishing that uh, I'm hoping that we get to see Sam Jackson make at least a little cameo, even on a television screen, would be nice. I I I think that'd be pretty cool because let's face it, they've got Kobe they've got Kobe Smulders in there, right? Um, and you know the 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 thing is, um, I keep wanting to call her Kobe Smulders for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> Um, but you know she she is incredibly attractive. I've got to admit, <laughs> she's got the perfect James Bond girl name, Colby Smolders. Why, yes, you do. Mm, Smoldering good. Yes. <laughs> um, and it's got Ming Na in, and Ming Na's been in pretty much everything. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. You turn around and she's another one. Um, I'm, I'm hoping she gets to do more. I mean, in the pilot, she didn't really have too much to do. But what can you do in an hour per pilot? You can only highlight so many characters. So I'm sure she'll get her, her good good scenes in a couple episodes, if not tomorrow night. Who knows? I, I miss the old days when the pilot it was an hour and a half. Yeah. They don't do that that often anymore. I mean, sort of like um, the, the pilot for Defiance on Sci-Fi Channel earlier this year was sort of like an hour. was actually an hour and I think it was about an hour and ten minutes right um, but with adverts it went up to an hour and a half um, now why, why couldn't why couldn't have Dave not done that with S.H.I.E.L.D. or why, why can they not do that with um, you know big network shows now I have a feeling it, it all comes down to money it's probably easier to sell a one hour pilot nowadays than a two hour um, also, the pressure is a little off them, I think, because they could probably have an extra. Instead of spending all that money on one two-hour episode, here they can spend it on two one-hour episodes. Mm-hmm. So or, probably spread spread the wealth around a little. Or they could spend it on uh, Samuel L. Jackson's fee. Yeah, well, he said he'd be willing to do it, and I'm sure he'd, he'll be kind of pricey to come in. But, I mean, he'll do it, so I'm all for it. I don't know. I mean, you know, Marvel's done so much for Samuel L. Jackson. I think he should do. I think he should do the uh, TV show for base. Well, I don't know about that. Sam knows where the money's coming from, and he's good for another Avengers movie. I think he's still holding out for a Nick Fury movie, which I'd be up for. Yeah, but does Sam need the money? That's a point. Does, does he actually need the money? I don't think Sam needs the money, but I think he's one of those actors. He's kind of like Michael Caine. He has to. He's one of those guys who's compelled to keep working all the time. Mm-hmm. So he'll he'll show up in anything just to work. And I think he's just got a really strong work ethic. Yeah, he has. But you know what? 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 What I'm on about is um, you know. Does he necessarily have to demand, you know, high, high fees? You know, you know, what what's wrong with him? Maybe so, like doing the odd project for base. Well, I mean, I can I can see both sides of it. I can see why he he should come in at a at a at a lower rate. But I mean, he's Sam Jackson. If they say he's going to be on the show making an appearance, I guarantee those ratings will be higher than the pilot. Mm. True. I mean, um, I seen the pilot, and um, I, because it aired Friday here in the UK. So it's kind of fortuitous that, you know, it's a, a Monday recording this, um, because I've already seen it. And I, um, I, I quite enjoyed it, but it didn't really blow me away. No, I gave it a, um, a B in the review on the Sci-Fi Pulse website. Um, it wasn't a wow, but it was a, it's pretty good. I'd stick around, I'd, I'd come back to it, but it, it didn't wow me. Yeah, well, I'm hoping, the, I'm hoping subsequent episodes do start to wow me a little bit, because based on the pilot, you know, if, if every episode's like the pilot, I can't see myself sticking around. Right, well, what I think they're going to do is they're, they're dropping in slow, and I think we're going to see some um, some Marvel bad guys appear who normally wouldn't appear in, like, an Avengers movie or a Thor movie. Mm. Yeah, well, that would be pretty cool. I mean, you know, so sort of like uh, I kind of like the uh, I kind of like the two scientist characters in it. You know, the two geeks. Yeah, I thought um, they were pretty good, but I'd say after scouting around the web and reading a lot of different things, those two actors had got the biggest negatives against them here in the states. A lot of people couldn't understand their accents, and there was a lot of criticism directed towards them and Joss Whedon for their accents on the show. Well, you know, so like uh, maybe maybe these people that posted on forums need to uh, so like uh, watch more BBC shows and you know British television to so like get climatized to accents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have a problem understanding them. I thought they were. I thought they were fine. They were cute. They were fun. But well, that's because you're educated. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, that's that's got to be it. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of taking the Mickey a little bit here, as you can get, yeah. as you can tell. Um, I, you know, I kind of thought, I kind of thought they were good, but kind of, I, I also kind of feel that if they carry on with the banter, the way the back and forth sort of thing, uh, they could, they could run the risk of getting annoying a little bit like that Asian chick that was in a in in the rebooted Knight Rider. Oh right, he was quite cute at first. But you know, over time, got annoying. Yeah. Well, my um, I mean, I've after seeing, I think, just about everything Joss Whedon has ever done for the small screen and buying it and owning it, I'm willing to sit back and give Joss the benefit of a doubt. He's one of those guys that when he's overseeing a show, even if he's not writing every episode, he can lay things out nice and slowly, and everybody's going to get a chance to develop. And I've I've got complete faith in him. I'm willing to see what happens. Well, uh, I'm I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a few episodes like you know I'm going to give it the same benefit of doubt I give pretty much every show that I try um, and you know I, I did like the pilot but you know as I say it didn't blow me away uh, however, what, what what I did like much better was um, the pilot for a show that you're probably not going to see until next year, if indeed um, an American network picks it up. Is that Atlantis? Yep. I'm dying to see that. I'm so jealous that you guys got that and we didn't. <laughs> well, you know, we made it, dude. So. <laughs> I know, but come on. You want American money? You want to ship it over here right away and cash in while you can? Well, you know, I think they're testing it with the UK audience. It did pretty well, actually. It was up against X Factor. Um, on Saturday, how did and it do? It, well, it came away with about six. You came away with twenty five percent of the audience share for that evening, and X Factor only managed thirty six percent. Oh, that's pretty good. So X Factor's actually um, X Factor's ratings uh, have been kind of soft, um, but yeah, it got it got over five million viewers. Um, it did okay, and generally, it's been pretty well received. Yeah, I've read a lot of positive things about it. I would love to see that show. But the uh, the thing the thing is about the first episode is it's quite exposition heavy, but they do find a bit of time for a bit of action at the end, and uh, the banter between the three main characters is quite fun as well. And you got Alexander Siddig in it playing King Minus. Yeah, I love him. Um, so it's it's got it's got talented cast. Uh, Mark Addis in it plays Hercules, but this is more of a Hercules that's kind of like worn down with life and um, has a bit of a drink problem and um, is doing his best to get, you know to to move out of the way of you know getting into trouble. <laughs> Right, right. Is it like an? Is it a older Hercules than like Kevin Sorbo was on the? Yeah, it's, okay. Mark, it's, it's played by Mark Addy, who's um, quite quite a rotund guy. Oh, good. You know, Mark Addy played the. Uh, you know, he played. I think he played King Robert in the um, in Game of Thrones. You know, the king right. in the first season, and he also played Fred Flintstone in the uh, in the second Flintstones movie. Right. Um, oh, he'd be a good Hercules. Yeah, he'd be good. So he plays Hercules, and, and he is really good. It's so like um, he's you know it's it's more cynical Hercules than than than, than, than you know expect, and you know not particularly heroic. Right. <laughs> but kind of funny. Um, and you know the premise is pretty good. It's um, I won't tell you too much um, because I, I um, see the thing is, yeah? yeah, everyone else in the UK seen it on Saturday, yeah, yeah. I seen it. I seen it during the week last week. Oh, I've, you know because I basically um, I, I basically gotten in with the BBC and I'm on, I'm on their preview site. I'm a member of their preview site and um, I've been in touch with the PR person and uh, 
they're letting me, you know, write advance reviews. Oh, that's outstanding! And I'm hoping to, um, I'm hoping to sort of like uh, further ingratiate myself and get into doing the Doctor Who advance reviews as well. Oh, that'd be fantastic! But, but basically, what it is is um, they they have a they have a previews website uh, for the press, and it's kind of like um, it's hidden away from everything else um, because they have to kind of invite you if you right. show an interest, and they send they send you a link. And you go through all the programs that they've got on there, and you you look down, and what what happens is um, you you look for the person who's representing that program, you know, the person that's doing the PR. And if you if if show gets your interest, you contact that PR person, but also contact contact the administration of the preview site, uh, saying that you would you you would like to do reviews for for such and such a show, and they authorise you to watch it. Wow! Um, in advance of the in advance of the show coming out, um, but it's pretty cool setup, and I should imagine it's saving them quite a bit of money now because they used to have to send out DVDs. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So, um, but but it's pretty cool, um, you know, because and because um, you know I, I got to watch it ahead of everyone else. Yeah. You know. And I thought, damn, I'm even getting to see it before before people in the UK, never mind people in America. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I feel, feel very, very fortunate and very, very lucky, you know, to, to have the opportunity. So, you know, I'm just going to do my best to sort of, like, uh, you know, keep plugging away and do, doing the good reviews and stuff like that. And my next review um, for episode two will be up on Thursday. Oh, wow. More than likely. Um so it is a good show. I, f- I think you're going to like it. Um, as I said in my, um, my my initial review of the show, I think anyone that was into Merlin is going to really enjoy this. It's right. Do you know how many episodes they have for the season? Thirteen. Thirteen outstanding. Good. So it's uh, it's basically the same 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 length as Merlin and Doctor. Right. Um, and you know I'm hoping that I'm hoping that the ratings uh, you know get better or stay the same. You know because you know basically if they drop below for four million. That that's when that's when 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 the show is going to be in the cancellation zone. But I can't really see that happening to a prime time show on a Saturday. It'd have to be really bad, right, for that to happen. How do the uh, the effects look on the show? Pretty good, pretty good, you know. Um, but there wasn't really very much in the way of effects in the first episode because you know it was right. mostly exposition. There's, there's a fun sequence right at the very beginning of the episode where he's chased by a two headed dragon through the streets of Atlantis. Oh jeez. <laughs> You know, um, and um, and and that's about all I'll say um, because you know, really, that's not really all that important to the uh, to the plot. It was more of an expositional device, right, to, to, to introduce Jason, but also introduce us to the streets of Atlantis. You know. Um, and he sort of, sort of like sets him up, and it's it's kind of like the event that gets him to you know that hooks him up with Hercules and and Cliff, and Cliff, uh, I can't say the guy's name. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's it's basically what leads in, leads him into meeting those two characters. So. Well, I, I want to see it. I really want to see it. It's huh. it's really really cool. You know, I I really really enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed it more than Agents of Shield. But I think that I think the reason I enjoyed it more than Agents of Shield was because Agents of Shield I had very very high expectations of it. Oh yeah, because of all the yeah. hype. Whereas yeah. I was uh, I was reading that um, if Shields didn't perform, um, a lot of people were saying it was going to doom ABC's entire lineup for the year because they'd invested so much money into it. Damn. 
Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm kind of hoping she she does well. I mean, it's done well in its first week, right? So we've just got to wait and see now, see what it does in its second week. Um, I should imagine the name Joss Whedon and the fact that it's Marvel and the the Avengers and and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll we actually you know give it quite a bit of breathing room. Yeah, I, I would hope so. I mean, and it's a different network. If it was on something like Fox, I, it would go the way of Firefly after like fourteen episodes. They'd kill it quick just to save money. But it's on ABC, which is owned by Disney, which owns Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they're going to milk it for at least a year or so. Yeah. Um, you know, talk, talking about Marvel and stuff, there's there's actually a bit of news last week uh, that, I, that I found, and you know, do you know what we were talking about doing that Runaways movie based on yeah, Runaways? Yeah, um, they've kind of like uh, put it on the back burner now. Yeah, um, and basically the uh, the guy that you know that um, wrote the script for Iron Man three was the guy that was writing for Runaways, and he said that pretty much what's happened is um, as soon as Avengers came out last year, it kind of like put Runaways on the back bench because everything has been so focused and centered around that. Right. Um, which is a shame, really. But that said, you know, may- maybe Runaways is something for for a time when 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 uh, you know the the better known comic book mo- movies have have kind of like become the norm. Right. Because it's you know it's it's not something that 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 the mainstream are aware of, really. Yeah. Yeah, Runaways came out when I was, uh, I, I stopped reading comics and buying comics for about 10 years, and that's when it came out, so I've had to do some pecking around to find out about it, since it got such rave reviews and people loved it so much. Yeah. But um, Runaways could, in my opinion, probably work better as a TV series than a movie. I was thinking that myself, you know, when I read the premise and, and everything, you know, yeah. and, and I was thinking it would make a great TV series, you know, CW could do it, because it's actually, you know, by the sounds of it, it's more geared towards our audience anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I if well, if I was an exec at Disney, I'd have a ton of money. But if I was an exec at Disney, I would, um, I'd give Avengers a year and see what happens, and then slowly start spinning out other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, Runaways as a TV series would work. Who? I mean, I might see the Incredible Hulk back as a TV series. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen because of the special effects involved. No, they just get they just get Lou Ferrino back and paint him green. Oh yeah, well, I'd be for that too, but I don't think people would. I don't think many kids would buy that today sadly yeah it's funny actually i found i found a couple of episodes of that on youtube and i was watching it last night <laughs> oh yeah you know uh, mr mcgee don't make me angry you won't like me when i'm angry <laughs> yeah yeah if you want to have a good laugh hunt down the uh i think the last i think it was the death of the incredible hulk it's with uh thor is in that episode is in that a uh, two-hour movie uh actually that's that falls in the first two-hour movie was uh, it the first one? Oh, and it's it's painful to sit through yeah i've actually got it on dvd <laughs> do you along with triumph of the incredible hulk in which um in which he meets daredevil right right uh, who, who's basically a black blind ninja <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I don't have I don't have Death of the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, that's the that's the last one. That's right. But I remember seeing that when it when when you know very close to when it first came out. Um, you know, I think ITV showed it, and I remember looking, you know it was early nineties. Yeah, was, or was it late eighties? It might be late eighties. I think it was. Yeah, I think it's late eighties. They were trying to trying to spin them off into other things. Mm. 
I think they'll try and do another TV series, but it didn't quite fly. But, you know, I think the last one they did, definitely Incredible Hulk, was around about 92. Wow. Um, but interesting one, trial of the, the Incredible Hulk, if you look at if you look at the jurors, yeah, Stan Lee's one of the jurors. Oh, tch. I believe it. <laughs> yeah. um, looking much, much younger than he does now. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Stan will show up. In, I was surprised I didn't see him in the Avengers pilot. I don't recall seeing him anywhere. Mm. This time. This time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> But yeah, that that's um that, that was a fun thing. Um, news, um, another bit of news that um, is apparently uh, Tom Hiddleston uh, would like the Enchantress to be in 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 one of the Marvel movies. That'd be fantastic. Mm, that that'd be pretty cool. Um, and I was thinking, uh, had they been making Marvel movies, say, about uh, 10, 15 years ago in the 90s, um, when when Nicole Kidman was you know, was still fairly uh, young? Right. And, and uh, a 20 or 30-something as opposed to a 40-something. Right. Um, or is she heading more towards 50? I don't know. Um, because she's, she's kind of looking well-preserved. But she's yeah. kind of ageing naturally. Um, yeah, she... She would be. She would have been a good enchantress, yeah. But that's what I was thinking. I think in a younger Nicole Kidman would have been a really good enchantress. She's got that, you know, and she's got that playful, you know, that that, that whole playful look about her. Right. You know. Um. So she she she'd have been pretty good. Yeah, I'm trying to. I don't know who they get for the enchantress today. I mean, there's there's a million actresses. You put them in that blonde wig, and they'd look pretty good. I thought she was a redhead. Enchantress is uh, blonde. Uh, I'd make her a redhead. <laughs> I know you would. <laughs> um, I mean, not that I'm necessarily into redheads. It's just that, uh, you know, some, some, something about the character, you know, just screams redhead to me. Right. I always thought Nicole Kidman would have made a great uh, Scarlet Witch. Yeah. With her red, cool. red hair and stuff in that outfit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, t- I tell you a character I'd love to see in a Marvel movie. Um, <laughs> Spitfire. Yeah. Um, Lady Jacqueline Falseworth Crichton. Uh, is a fictional character, a superhero in the Marvel Comics universe, and was introduced as a member of a World War Two era Invader superhero team. Um, okay. and, and basically, she's she's a she's a vampire. She was born in Maidstone, England, and is the daughter of the original Union Jack and the sister of Union Jack Two. As a teenager during World War Two, she met the superhuman team, the Invaders, uh, Baron Blood. Oh damn! I've got to get this. I've got to get this whole comic biography. It sounds so cool. <laughs> <laughs> but she wears a young old skin tight suit and a purple mask. Right, right. Um, but I, you know, she she she's a character I I kind of warm to in the uh, Paul Cornell run and Captain Britain. I kind of liked her. And right. I, I, I was kind of thinking, you know, she, you know, they should just do, they should just do a standalone miniseries with her. Well, it'd be nice to get a proper vampire back on the screen. Yeah. I'm talking about. I was watching that new Avengers Assemble uh, animated series this afternoon. I've got a few episodes TV'd, and um, it was one where to meet Dracula. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. And it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a pretty decent series. It is. I mean, it's actually. Um, I'd actually say it's better than the previous one, where they, where they, where they, where it was all about Hydra and yeah, this, 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 this and that. It's actually, you know, and I think it's more in keeping with the film, the established movie universe as well. So right. See, that's what I'm thinking is going to pop up on uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is have Hydra or AIM show up. That, that'd be pretty cool. And that way you could have you could have quite a bit of crossover quite easily. You'd have the two units fighting each other and that'd be perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just wondering... Uh... You know, I've been thinking about uh, Atlantis again, and we got Medusa in Atlantis, you know, but she it's before she became the snakehead woman. Oh. Um, so it's a young, younger, young Medusa. 
before <laughs> before before she was sort of like uh, cast out from 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 the from from the human race or godhood and turned into a uh, turned into the snake haired uh, archer sort of thing. That that'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I I I, I I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because one of the things I loved about Mergen was the uh, was the journey that Morgana went on. Right. You know, I thought thought her character was so well handled because she was so like one 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 of the, one of the gang in the first couple of seasons, and you know her gradual decline into you know into the dark. Morgana that we seen in the uh, in the last three, three seasons was just fantastic fun. Right, right, watch. and and it kind of helped that Katie McGrath is kind of hot as well. So <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> I was waiting for you to go there. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I just um, I, I just thought I, I just thought that was just really well handled, you know. So you know if they're going to do the same to uh, same same with uh, Medusa in 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 in, um, in, in Atlantis, I'm all for it. Yeah, that would be cool, and that's something that hasn't been seen before in uh, TV or cinema. So that would be interesting. Yeah, and so like, I mean, what, what I'm find, what I'm finding funny as well is um, in this series, the conceit is that Jason knows all the Greek myths. Oh, he's got a book or something, huh? Um, well, you don't have to say. <laughs> Don't say. Don't you say. Might, you might find out online anyway if you if you if you find a ring, you spy on a heavy review. Oh so no! I see. Now I gotta stay away. I don't tempt me like that, Ian. I, I'm not tempting you. Just I'm just <laughs> I'm just I'm just kind of warning you to stay away from spy on a heavy reviews because it. It'll spy on it for you. But I do yeah. know this much. It's going to become harder and harder to actually write reviews over the coming weeks without giving it away. <laughs> but, you know, let's just say that he comes to Atlantis uh, with quite a lot of knowledge. Okay. At his disposal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you think about it, in a way, if you know the story of Jason and the Argonauts, Jason just washed ashore somewhere, didn't he? Oh, yeah, that's right. You. And... There was no backstory for him. No, nobody knew who he was. Right. You know. You know. So like. So it makes sense. Dang! I gotta find this somehow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it make, makes a, make makes a lot of sense. So any more news? Um, just one real quick that I'm kind of excited about. Another comic book series that looks like it's coming to TV is uh, John Constantine. Cool. Got announced, and um, of course the writers won't get any money for creating the character since. It was sold to created for Warner Brothers, but um, I'm hoping to see DC step up their game and Warner Brothers get into it and try to produce some comic book series, and Constantine would be perfect. I mean, the Keanu Reeves movie, even though it was Keanu, was pretty good, but I would love to see John Constantine done correctly on a weekly basis would be fantastic. Yeah, my sister quite, you know, you know, I shown that Keanu Reeves movie my sister, and she wasn't, you know, at first she was a bit, you know, being based on a comic book, and she's seen it, and she actually quite liked it yeah my my wife doesn't care for many comic book things either but even she watched that and said that was pretty good and i go well it would have been better if it was set in england but yeah that was a good movie yeah it would have been better if they they actually uh, hired an actor for the role yeah yeah i'll go along with that <laughs> okay well um i think i think it's time to move on to the interview so uh thanks for joining us pat not a problem thank you we stick to the plan we lay low for two weeks. We don't go outside and show our faces until they stop looking for us. Well, I'd like to welcome uh, Sadie Katz to the show, um, who's um, a fe- an up-and-coming actress. Um, I guess you're not that well-known yet, right? <laughs> Ian, that's not the way we start this off. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, I would say... 
I've been acting for a while, but um, this film that I have coming out is definitely introducing me to wider audiences for sure. Do you want me to re-record the intro? <laughs> no, I like the intro. You keep that. <laughs> Um, well, I'd like to introduce you all to Sadie Katz, who's uh, the most famous actress since Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> ever, ever. Yeah, ever, ever. Um, and uh, the difference is she can actually act. Oh, so, come on. I I'm, love Marilyn Monroe. I'm just teasing there. <laughs> I actually have a giant picture of her reading um, reading a book in, in my office. She's reading um, a book by Stanislavski, you know, trying to the study ma- up on her acting. You can barely see her face, and she's kind of lounging on the couch. Mm-hmm. The yeah. magic if. Right? Yes. I, I studied acting, so... Very nice. I like it. <laughs> uh, so I know about the magic if and Stanislavski um, and um, and and pre- pretty much all of that. But you know what amazes me is there's so many big thick tomes written about it when the actual approach to it all is really quite simple. Yeah, you know what I think you're right. The, it's funny. I studied acting for a long time and um, you know for ten years, and I studied everything from a lot of method stuff to uh, Eric Morris method. To, um, I would say Meisner is is a big approach for me, and the more I do it, the more sometimes just being that character and, and doing, you know, being in that character's headspace and playing pretend is like exactly what I did as a kid. So you know, minus the classes. Yeah, that's that's kind of how when I was doing uh, doing it as a student years and years ago. Um, I mean, not that I'm that old, really. I'm so like I'm very early forties, so I'm, I've still got about a, about another forty, maybe. 70 years to go <laughs> right um, but when I when I studied years and years ago um, you know back in the 90s um, I, I tended to I tend to use the same approach I used to sort of like look at it as make-believe like you play, play with each other and your kids you know right. you're playing with your dolls or your action figures and stuff and you sort of like embodying all the different roles um, which goes to show how geeky I was because I used to uh, I used to reenact the entirety of Star Wars with action figures and do our devices and everything. <laughs> I, you know, it's weird that you said that because that's kind of what I when I was a kid we would play this game called Adventures with my my next door neighbor, a red haired kid with freckles that I was in love with, and we would. Uh, we would do Star Wars, so we would give each other, like, you know, parts, and I was Princess Leia, but I always wanted to get with Darth Vader, and I always wanted, I always thought that that would have been so sexy had she ended up with Darth Vader, but we would, we would kind of role-play it, you know, almost like a Dungeons and Dragons thing, and so, you know, when acting's really good, and when you're really enjoying it, that's exactly what it feels like for a second that you're, you know, eight years old and you really just believe it for that second. And, you know, I'm, I, uh, I tend to get roles that are dramatic where I cry or I'm very scared. Mm-hmm. And I swear doing that for so many times, I, I feel like I can really trick myself into feeling um, that way, you know, or my brain's kind of completely in that space. I used to get bad boy roles. Um, I used to get a lot of, uh, when, when I did theatre, I used to get a lot of roles um, of uh, troubled adolescent teenagers. I was sort of like, you know, I was in my early 20s when I, when I kind of like finished studying, but I only looked about, you know, maybe 16 or 17 because I've got very much a baby face. Right, and, and as such, I was given. I was always, I was always playing younger. Right, and, uh, which is good. 
which is good. You have a great voice. It's awesome. <laughs> Don't you feel like um, sometimes the bad boy roles and like the dysfunctional characters, they're so much more fun to play than um, someone who's got their shit together, you know? Mm, yeah. I mean, and um, you also get the best dialogue as well. Um, yes. I think. <laughs> you know, it's all like, um, I mean, I, I, you know, but I, I kind of wanted to play uh, people that had their shit together as well to sort of like redress the balance and even things out a little bit but you know yeah you things. know you do go a little nuts like even you know with Chavez uh, with Chavez Cage of Glory the, the biggest thing is you know my character was under so much duress and was you know um, grieving and worried and scared like I found that Danny Trejo's character was having a lot more fun and goofing around and you know um because he's playing like a badass where you kind of got to go into your quiet place to be ready for a real dramatic scene so you don't get to You'll get to have so much of the fun until you're wrapped with shooting, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just save up all the pent-up frustration of, you know, of the, of the past few decades, and then you just take it into your role and then just let it rip. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, what, that, yeah. That's, that's kind of how I used to do it. I mean, I think one of my favourite roles I played, it was in, it had me um, as, a, as a rebellious teenager in a school, and um, he had the entire class held to ransom with a Zippo lighter and, you know, paraffin. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's a great premise. <laughs> so, That's a good one. You know, that, that, I think that was actually an improvisational episode, uh, you know, exercise I was given. I'm not sure if it was an, an actual play because, you know, it did a lot of improvisational theatre when I, when, I, when I did it all. And that's kind of ultimately what led me into writing and, right. and doing entertainment blog and stuff like that was, uh, you know, my acting background. And plus, I've always been interested in the entertainment industry as right. well. So it's... it's well, I guess you have to be really interested to do, you know, sci-fi pulse. I um, think you have a rapid diehard fans and they, you know, they know their stuff. You can't fool them. Uh, there is that. And you do get emails, um, you know, correcting you on stuff sometimes. And then you get other emails correcting you on your spelling, grammar and punctuation. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm thinking, geez, I'm, write, I'm writing about, so like, uh, on average, I'm writing about anything from five to six articles a day on the site and articles and this and that elsewhere, give me a break. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, come on here. You know, uh, I think, like, years ago, I went to an X-Files convention. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, it was a while ago. And I couldn't believe, like, the people who stood up and asked questions, like, they knew their stuff, and they were asking the actors, and the actors had no idea. Like, they they were, you know, answering off the cuff. Uh, and the fans of the show, like, they knew every episode. They knew, like, codes that were entered into the door. I mean, it was really, like, crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Star Trek fans are the same as well. Um, you know, they, 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 they know they know uh, the episode title, the episode number, who did the catering. and I know. You know, but that's, I mean, those are the fans, like, you really want to always say doing um I have a movie that's going to come out on the Sci-Fi Network called Badass Bugs. Actually, cool. Michael Thorne from Star Trek is going to be in it, mm-hmm. I'm sure. And then James Gunn is directing it from, or, or no, James Gunn is in it, but he's directing uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which I'm sure some of your readers will know. But um, it, it's like crazy because I wanted, I keep gravitating towards wanting to do either horror or sci-fi sometimes because because uh, the fans are so loyal, you know, and they really follow what you do, and they're 
their well intentions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, very quickly, um, you know, you, you, you've got a film coming out soon called, or it's, it's, it's out now, I think, isn't it? Um, yeah. and, and you've already briefly touched on it. Um, Chavez Cage of Glory, um, which you play Gear. Could you talk a little bit about Gear and give us some insight? Uh, about the film? Um, it's basically, it's um, a cage fighter uh, who plays my husband. It's a sort of Mexican Rocky. Uh, but I think it has, Hector H. Varia is um, very well known in South America. And so he's, you know, this is his big theatrical release here for us. It's a limited theatrical, but it, this is not an easy task. And we've had lots of billboards and buses. It's been very exciting. But he really made this film for, um, you know, the, the, um, for a lot of the Hispanic audiences, it has a very big heart. It's about his his character, who plays my husband. Mm -hmm. His son is um, he needs to go into the hospital for a surgery, and Hector is trying to raise the money for that because he's a very proud man who doesn't necessarily want to rely on the government or welfare for support. And I play his wife, Gia Chavez, who's just very loving and supporting towards her husband, and um, they're at this head of the crisis and in the meantime Danny Trejo is in it um, who's, who's coming out in Machete too actually yep. and he's kind of um, he's a gangbanger in the area that really wants Hector to wear the colors um, to represent their gang and Hector's this very fine upstanding man who who I don't want to give anything away but he does choose to do the right things so the family values are really in place and then his brother is a is a priest Stephen Bauer from he's who's also doing really well right now in Ray Donovan um, he plays a priest and they're, they're very, it's just a, a great story of people who, who want to do the right thing and are good. You know, I think right now we're kind of obsessed with the idea of telling the story of the bad guy, but there's something really beautiful about watching people who have good intentions and really support their husband and wife. And that's yeah, what Chavez is about. It sounds like a pretty fun, pretty good movie because I've seen the training for it, but that's about all I've really seen seen and read about it and um i looked at the casting you're on the uh, imdb and um no noticed uh you know that that danny that that that, that uh, danny trejo was in it and i thought this is going to be a cool movie with him in it he's a really good bad guy so yeah and the fight scenes are bitching i mean the fight scenes are really uh they're really strong so if you have yeah, if you're if you're into cage fighting, they're they're very realistic. It sucks you in. This is an independent, uh, lower budget film, but it looks really good. And uh, there's some fun surprises in it. And you know, it it, it kind of revels in and being really silly and fun and sweet and scary and all sorts of things, suspenseful for the audience. Mm -hmm. Well, I, 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 um, I can't wait to see it. I'm probably not going to be able to see it until it actually comes out on DVD here in the UK because I'm, I'm not sure if it will hit, 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 hit the cinema here. Um, right. But I, I, I certainly hope it gets a, a DVD or a VOD release over here. Oh, of course because, well, yeah. Because I kind of like the odd film where, where, where you've got, you know, either cage fighting, boxing or kung fu. I mean, of course I do. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy and I think most <laughs> guys do like that sort of thing. But... Yeah. I, also, I also like a film that's got a moral centre, you know, where, 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 there's a, where there's a bit of a morality tale to it, you know. Yeah, I, 
I enjoyed that too. At first, when I first was cast, I was a little thrown because I said, well, these people are, they're so good. I mean, are they really, are there people like that? And, you know, by playing it, it almost accessed the parts of me that, you know, are sweeter and nicer and and it, it was fun to watch it on screen, and and um, I think Hector did a really great job with that. Um, and he's a very sweet, moral, you know, he's a great guy. Mm-hmm. I've noticed um, another project you've got. You've, you've got a writing credit for a movie called Scorned, which is due out. Um, and I'm just wondering if you'd like to uh, like to talk a little about that because it, it looks, it sounds a little bit like a a bit of a horror film. Yeah. I think your fans will really like it. Um, it's actually, this is my first big, you know, co-writing credit. I wrote it with the director and creator of Leprechaun. His name's mm-hmm. Mark Jones. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with Leprechaun. He also did Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah, I know. I know Leprechaun. I think, uh, I think Leprechaun was played by Warwick Davis. Yes. Yes. So this, we wrote this, this together scorned and, uh, Anchor Bay picked it up and, it's starring Anna Lynn McCord and Billy Zine and Viva Bianca, who I believe is from Game of Thrones. Um, and Anna Lynn McCord, of course, was on 90210 and Billy Zane's from Titanic and a billion other films. Mm-hmm. And it's about a girl whose boyfriend um, cheats on her with her best friend. And so she kind of lures them to the beach house and all sorts of wicked mayhem ensues. It's sort of like misery. It's like a younger, um, hotter misery. Uh-huh. Um, she's off her medicines. And we actually named the lead character, Anna Lynn's character, Sadie. So it's kind of it's kind of fun. I have a cute cameo in it, but I won't give it away. But it's a, it's a very, uh, gr- a lot of great one-liners, some gore. Uh, I think it's every man's worst nightmare is to get caught cheating on his girlfriend. She's off her meds and she just loses her shit. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of that. That's going to come out in February on Valentine's Day. Oh, nice. That's, 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 that's actually that, really, right? that, yeah. that's really And then cool. I, I have another movie that I don't think is up on my IMDb because they switched the title, but it's called um, Badass Bugs. And that is, I think your, your audience will love it. It's coming out on Sci-Fi. Um, and that's coming out. Oh, I think the trailer is coming out over Halloween. And then I have a movie coming out in December called House of Bad. Mm-hmm. That's a horror thriller heist um, that I'm, I'm the lead in, along with uh, two other lovely ladies. And we steal a suitcase of heroin and go hiding in a cabin in the woods. And the cabin is haunted by our our dead parents and it's a it's a really fun film it's going to be released on vod and also um the video itself the dvd has all kinds of great extras that are really cool if you're a horror buff or especially if you're an independent film lover it's really fun because it goes into um scott Brazell and dorota and jim towns who all worked on this film and what it really took to get this independent film released 
And I have another film called Nipples and Palm Trees that's out right now, uh, directed by Dylan Reynolds. That's a sexy romp in L.A., and you can get it on Netflix or Amazon. That sounds a little bit like a 70s acid trip. It's sort of like that. It's a comedy, and it's very much, um, it's very indie, and it's very, it's shot in like the style of uh, a Cassavetes film. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some sexy stuff, but it's also really funny and silly about finding love in Los Angeles and uh, and it, it's doing very very well and it was made on a shoestring budget but it got some great um, reviews on a lot of indie things I I think our mainstream reviews like Variety and Hollywood Reporter didn't quite get it, but it seems like a lot of sites like yours really embraced it. Um, Ain't It Cool News really liked it, hacked in, hacked in the head. So mm-hmm. it's it did very well, as well as um, House of Bad is doing very well in the reviews. And it won fan favorite in the Big Bear Horror Fest. So sometimes these little films tend to get really embraced by the online community, even if uh, mainstream loves to hate them, you know? Yeah, well, I, I, I kind of, um, you know, I, I, I'm finding that as I get older, I'm getting less and less um, inclined to, uh, to to be too positive about mainstream stuff. For example, super, you know, the, the new Superman movie, Man of Steel, I'm probably one of those that didn't like it as much as the uh, mainstream press seemed to like it. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I hate to say this because I'm sure lots of people disagree with me, but even the new Batmans, I kind of like the old Batman with Michael Keaton. I thought that was, you know. Yeah, I think I think a lot of a lot of the new mainstream films, science fiction and fantasy, and um, even horror to some extent, has gone a little bit too too much towards the gritty end, too much towards the end of you know t- towards the realistic end of things, and in so doing, they've lost a lot of the humour. Yeah, I heard Gravity is going to be pretty damn good, and they're doing a huge campaign out here, so that might bring us back to like the you know the twilight zone sci-fi thing that's that i think a lot of people like not everything has to be mass destruction you know yeah um we you, you know you've written scorned obviously um are you hoping to uh, write and produce more films or or, or even television stuff yeah i'm I uh, I have a couple of projects that I'm working on right now that are kind of under wraps, but um, yeah, I definitely I think I'll always be into writing. Um, I I one of my big goals is I would love to have a, a novel done, so I'm kind of interested in that. I'm I'm really interested in pop culture, so I want to write a novel that kind of combines pop culture with uh, a memoir that's a memoir with a twist. You know, mm-hmm. maybe that I I change the ending and you know, my character goes crazy and kills everyone i don't know but um yeah i think that the older i get the more writing gives me opportunities i actually wrote scorned for me to be the lead in that was the original mark and i wrote it for me to um act in it but when it got picked up the budget gets so high you know they need somebody that has a certain star ranking or to pull people in so I'm I'm hoping that I continue to do well in acting that the next time I write something that I'll be able to actually play the character that I wrote. Um, although Anna Lynn ended up doing such an amazing job. So uh, it just wasn't the time for that. But yeah, I, I'm very interested in writing. If I could just get my ass to sit down in front of the computer, as you know, it's... Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> 
writing's tough. I mean, acting is tough because you're looking for your job and you're always campaigning and, you know, to get more work. But writing's tough because it's lo- so lonely. Yeah, I mean, I've got several uh, comic book ideas as well as a few screenplay ideas in me. It's just sort of like trying to uh, separate myself from writing for the website so I can compartmentalize and, and, and get to work on those things as well. Right, um, and, right. And on top of all that, I'm also a musician too, so... <laughs> Oh my gosh. I mean, it's very hard. Like if you have, you know, I always say like acting is a greedy baby because, you know, it really demands all your attention and writing demands. Like I find if I'm writing, I have to be in my pajamas and like everyone has to leave me alone and I'm kind of grumpy during it because Mm -hmm. I have to be focused on that. So anything that pulls my focus, I'm, I'm angry with, you know, and I'm a mom. I have a 12 year old son. So juggling that like his homework with writing is a difficult thing i bet yeah i mean so i um um, i've been fortunate enough not to get married and not have any children um um not you know um basically i'm not really the relationship kind of guy i guess um, uh, in, in that regard. Uh, how old are you? Ballpark it? Um, I, I won't ballpark it. I won't lie to you. I'm 43. So it's probably oh, still time. You know, having kids, it changes. I, I hate to be that, that person, but my son's so awesome. And there's something about it that, you know, it's worth the sacrifice. But some men love to be single. It looks like your baby is probably sci-fi pulse. So that's um, good. Probably is. Um, and, and I've got a cat, so... <laughs> What's your cat's name? Uh, he, he's called Sasha, and he's locked in the other room at the moment because he's being a pain in the bum. Uh, yeah, I have two dogs, and yeah, cats are a little crazy, though, because they'll just reach out and scratch you. Well, that's why I like cats, because, uh, you know, he's kind of like, uh, he's kind of like the exact mirror of me. Oh, that's hilarious. You know, um, he's, he, you know he's like, um, he's, he's quiet, you know, shy, and, uh, and himself likes a lot of attention. But then when he doesn't want a lot of attention, he wanders off elsewhere, which is, which kind of like typically sums up me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. I've got one more question for you, actually, if you, sure. if you don't mind. Um, I noticed in, in your profile, um, I mean, I've got a couple more here, actually, but I noticed in your profile that you, you've actually long admired Glenn A. Larson. Oh, I actually worked for him for several years, and I would say he was the first one who really... Um, got me uh, writing. I mean, I was writing and then he kind of honed it. Um, I, I'm sure it's, I'm sure you guys know, you know, I did Battlestar Galactica and mm-hmm. Knight Rider, Magnum PI, yeah. uh, Quincy, I mean, just a ton of stuff to work for him was really amazing. I actually went to London with him. I was his assistant uh, several years ago. Are you in London? Uh, no, I'm in Manchester. Oh, okay. But, but I'm, in, so, I'm in South Manchester, which is why my accent's probably a little bit softer. Oh, I got it. Yeah, but I worked for him for a while and um, for a couple of years, and we even wrote a, a television show together that did not get picked up. But Working with Glenn was one of the most ex- amazing experiences of my life, and he was very, very fun, and um, he, he's a true, true talent. I mean, to to get to write with him was really exceptional because he's kind of old school where everybody, all the characters he writes, um, if a waiter comes to the table, he gives the waiter like, you know, three sentences that kind of tells you everything about that waiter, even though it's just a side character. He's just very good at 
dialogue and he's amazing at story and it's just a really fun amazing person to be around yeah i mean i bet it was you know i bet it was great work i mean I, i've um you know like, like a lot of people that grew up in the uh 70s and 80s i'm familiar with a lot of his shows uh, Battlestar Galactica, um, as you've already said, Knight Rider. Um, I think the last big thing he did was a uh, w- was something called a uh, Nightman or something, which didn't yeah. make it. He did Nightman, and my writing partner Mark Jones also did uh, directed Nightman with him, mm-hmm. and um, uh, David Price, who's also a good friend of mine, worked on the show Nightman as well, who did. Um, Oh, Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde. I don't know if you remember that one. Um, I, I don't because, uh, you know, so Nightman, it's, it, it was aired here um, and it went off and it didn't really it didn't really have too many reruns. Right. You know, yes, it did Manimal. Do you remember that show, Manimal? Yeah, with uh, Simon McCorkindale. Yeah, I, I believe... I believe that there is some talk of possibly um, the rights being sold for Manimal and them remaking it. I know that that the Weinstein's picked up Knight Rider, uh, so they're supposed to come out with a you know a very a kind of Batman esque retelling of Knight Rider. So Glenn is still um, working on that, and I, I believe they're doing something else with Battlestar again. That's what I hear through the grapevine, which he owns all the rights for all these things. So you know they're very much still his creation. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm hoping the next Battlestar they do is a little bit more family friendly and a little bit more. Fun. Yeah, I think he felt the same way. Um, you know, Glenn is a very family-oriented person, and and he really wrote, you know, Battlestar to be a family show. In fact, all of his shows are kind of family-oriented. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be enough of it at the moment, uh, the family-oriented. Everything's gone so dark and gritty and, you know, we're all going to die! Right. <laughs> Right. Even it seems like even the good guys tend to be bad guys. But Glenn was another one who, like Hector, tends to write, you know, either really good guys or really bad guys. And he likes to have that black and white version rather than a gray area. I think there's something great about that. Yeah, there, there, there is. And I think also, you know, if you've got something like, uh, you know, good family values and, 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 and stuff being portrayed on television, it kind of gives it kind of gives people as a whole something to aspire to you know yeah and, i agree i know? agree and it also i and think it also gives 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 people an element of hope as well which is you know which is something that we could all use an, an element of in this day and age because you know with the with the world global recession and everything yeah mm-hmm. okay right. I'd, I'd really like to thank you for your time it's been fantastic speaking with you Oh, it's been great speaking with you too, and thank you so much. And I, I will keep watching your site. I love it, and I would really hope I'm in the middle of doing this right now. But I do have my website, SadieCats.me, that I would love to connect with um, the readers for your site there through either that or my Twitter or my Facebook. So oh, cool! I think it's well, great. I can't wait to see uh see see, see the films, and um, I'll, I'll definitely check out uh what's it called, Book Eyed. Badass. Badass House of Bad should be out, so check that out. And then Hector and I are going in pre-production again to work together again doing Hell's Dead. So we've got all sorts of stuff that's right up Sci-Fi's alley. Cool. Well, again, uh, thank, thanks for being on. It's been great having you. Oh, great. Thank you so much.
Hi there, this is Robert Leeshock from Gene Roddenberry's Earth Final Conflict, better known as Liam Kincaid, and you are listening to SFP Now. The fate of humanity now relies on those who dare challenge the future of Earth. Next time on the new audio adventures of Star Trek, the continuing mission. I know who you are. You're Captain Paul Edwards. Why am I sitting here with you? You have something better to do tonight? I don't know what you hope to accomplish by following the doctor around Managua all night. Don't you think sneaking around like that is a little undignified? You know this stuff isn't half bad once you get used to it. A little plain, isn't it? Plain? That's my mother's own recipe. That building is a brothel. I think we both know what he's doing in there. Why don't you just stay here tonight? And if you want to, you can take one of these old birds up in the air in the morning. I didn't know you two were fond of Nicaragua. Oh, yes. Fond. Very fond. I can't feel my head. I would say your bushmills does an adequate job. Aye, that it does, Miss Nittlecorv. <laughs> Nothing like a night in Managua. I don't know why I let you talk me into this. Don't bruise the cheese ball. Right, 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 right. Only on the new audio adventures of Star Trek, The Continuing Mission, at continuingmission.com. And that about wraps it up for uh, this week. Um, we're, we're going to be taking a, a couple of weeks out um, over the next, uh, next, next couple of weeks while we um, sort of like try and organise more guests and, and, and things. Um, so, so bear with us, um, because while we're, off, while we're off the air, I've no doubt uh, John Retainment will be returning and... Um, I know for a fact that uh, Mats and Juni have some some great things coming up. Um, you know, especially given that they're they're both going away this weekend um, to, um, to to the Sci-Fi uh, Sci-Fi Channel's uh, annual uh, press tour. So we we'll, we might get a few you know little neat tidbits uh, from that. Um, but thanks for listening as always, and you know we'll be back within you know the next week or so. So. I'll bet there with us. But that's it for now. Goodbye. We offered the world order. <laughs>